Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my colleague and collaborator, Ryan Donovan, editor of our blog and maestro of our newsletter. Today is a sponsored episode brought to you by Intel, and we're going to be talking with someone who has worked with us before, Raymond Lowe. He wrote a great piece for the blog. And we're going to be chatting about a few things related to AI and ML, and then specifically some new things that you know Intel has been bringing to the market and wants to focus on the AI PC and the NPU, not the GPU, not the VPU, the NPU. So uh, yeah, we're excited to have the conversation. Always a delight to chat with Raymond, who's bursting with energy and ideas. So without further ado, Raymond, welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Great to talk to you again, Ben and Ryan. So you did a blog post with us. It was about upscaling graphics resolution and sort of vision-related ML. You know, since then, Gen AI has become the hot topic. Has your focus changed or, or broadened to support this? Yeah. So we made an observation almost early last year. We noticed it's like stable diffusion when people start generating very beautiful images. And then we start also seeing the chatbot, right? People start using tools that can communicate with computer very differently. I think when I first started doing chatbot many years ago, uh, it was pretty not good. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the word. You know, it just doesn't answer the question. But today, I think Gen AI provide, especially with the large language model, provide a lot better outcome. So yeah, early last year, we started working on it. And then later the year, we even released a lot more example code for the people to try. And now today we have AIPC. It runs some of these workloads very well. Yeah. So can you just define for the listener, what do you mean by AIPC? So the fun story where I think the name came from our CEO, Pat, right? So it was just the time before the innovation when we look into the hardware. We start to see the new era where computes are a lot smarter. And why... It's called AIPC. I think there's a very long story. I'm not going to disclose that today. But it has to do with our initiative of bringing these kind of capability onto a silicon that actually mm -hmm. can right. generalize on AI. So what I mean by AI means like uh, something much more intelligent like the chatbot actually runs on those laptops with mm -hmm. the, some limitations, of course. And then there's some things that you can write in background, right? So that it always, like, for example, doing noise reductions, cancellations, or speech recognitions. Those can write in background like continuously uh, to support you or will I say this conversation, do you want to transcribe this or you want to have right. like draft from it, right? So right. that sort of things can help a lot of productivity. That's what the AI PC stuff kick in is the intelligence of the PC. Got it. And I just to clarify there, I liked what you said, you know, we're talking about how can, you know, you help your customers, whether they be big enterprises or, you know, consumers at home trying to run stable diffusion, how can you give them more power, more horsepower, more you know flexibility at the silicon level, right? Not necessarily just at the software level. So Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I think when we talk to people about Gen AI, they're they're always doing the infrastructure on cloud computing. Is there a benefit to kind of moving that that workload to the local, you know, the consumer level hardware? So really depends on the workload. Again, um, the the advantage often I see is well, it's available. There's no wait time, right? So even the connection problem, you don't have to deal with. Uh, the privacy, the security part. Uh, again, we're mentioning about the chatbot. Sometimes you would just want to ask a question that's 
like look up the document here, explain to me, and that document could be confidential, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't mm -hmm. have to worry about those concerns. So there are a set of workload works extremely well, especially enterprise use that uh, are local. And then especially if, let's say today, I already bought the machine, by the way, I have one of those, you know, AI PC with me. Yeah. But when you have like millions of this in the market, everyone have the same capability, then it makes the deployment a lot more scalable too. So for example, you have like a hundred staffs, right? Want to run, run tool. Either you buy some hours or you just like, okay, here's an app that we build. Uh, so that create that new, I don't want to go back to the cell phone moment when cell phone is fast enough to do something, right? You know, back right. then it's like, you have to go to the computer to browse the web. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, I'm browsing the web now, but it's kind of uh, a little bit slow, a mm, little bit right. downgraded, lower, smaller size. Then all of a sudden now like everyone, why are you not going online with your phone? It's like, yeah, right. Mm. So personally, why are we not using a big computer to do browsing sometimes? Right. Convenience, right? So there's a lot of that will kick in at this point. Yeah, just to sort of educate myself, you know, I went through the process of, okay, how do you, you know, get uh, Stable Diffusion up and running on a Mac? You got to do some work in Terminal, you got to have Homebrew, you know, you got to figure a few things out. Oh, yeah. And same thing for Llama 2, right? And so like, yeah. the level of comfort that I have with that stuff is minimal. I'm not a great programmer, if, if I could even call myself that at all. But, you know, I've, I've mucked around in the Terminal enough, you know, and to sort of work my way through it. It is interesting to me what you said, like, Maybe somebody will build sort of a front-end UI that's like, oh, you want to try image generation? You want to try chat? You want to, you know, here's your UI, pick the model that you want. You know, we'll don't download it into the background and then, you know, we'll take it from there. I think that that could be really interesting. I mean, that's what ChatGPT did really well, right? They gave a great user mm -hmm. interface to, to what's happening in the background. But also now, right, like I had even thought about, as you said, maybe I should get a PC, you know, so that I can run some of these workloads at home. Because it's it's not a great experience, you know, on my sort of just work laptop that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't why I purchased it. I purchased it, you know, to browse the web and because of its speed when I'm doing mm -hmm. simple tasks and its size and weight, right? Of course, then I could uh, mm -hmm. say it's for work and it'd also probably be a pretty good gaming PC. I don't know. Does an NPU work like a GPU or no? Uh, no, but the GPU on that, actually, we almost forgot they actually very powerful. So right. they rebranded called Intel Arc. Mm. So uh, I got the machine two days ago. So actually, some of the workload runs even very good on GPU because they are high throughput. I always position this silicon this way. The CPU is generic, right? Anything can run. Mm -hmm. So it's like general computing. Then you have the GPU for graphics, but also very good for high throughput, some AI tests, like the image generation you talk about, mm -hmm. raised one, like amazing on the GPU. Right. MPU often I think is like low power. It's like, okay, background task, right? So pre-processing of, let's say, background removal for this image is perfect for the MPU. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. very low power, so you don't want to drain your battery, use that. And the magic is if you use OpenFino, you can combine them all, use them interchangeably, mm. or at the same time, and now the magic, right? Now it'll get pretty hot, right? It's like, okay, right. I gotta use all the all the resource. But you have the option. I think that's like the nice thing about this is like a hybrid car but with three different engines kind of building. It's kind of cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, like uh Ben, I tried writing stable diffusion, but it what Ben was saying, there is a there's a few front ends to large language models, and I tried one, and it's remarkably slow how slow it generates on on my regular computer. What does the AI PC have that, that could speed that up? So there's twofold to the speeding, right? One is um, the slowness often comes from an optimized code mm -hmm. that runs on the CPU only and maybe single-threaded, right? 
with Open Fino, then again, full disclosure, I'm the Open Fino evangelist, right? I've been working on this for yeah, the yeah, last few just, years. I know we talked about this and it was in the article, but just for folks who are listening, right. give them the high level. What is Open Fino? So when we're talking about it, they have that context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can think about Open Fino is the tool for you to accelerate your inference workload. For example, uh, object detection, image classification, all the classical one. But today, the last couple of years, we have fans to doing transformer work. So if you think about Whisper, like Gen AI related, like stable diffusion, we talk about, right. we accelerate those to run on CPU, GPU, and also the MPU. It's a tool that enables you to take this model and run it extremely well, much better than just the native way mm. on the Intel silicons, right? And that's what OpenFino is great for. Gotcha, right. Open Toolkit facilitating the optimization of deep learning models mm-hmm. and inference engine. Yeah. Cool. So sorry, please continue from uh, where you were left off. Right. So why is faster is actually, um, if you, you were running that pool experience, then now if you try what we are working on today is, uh, I see like dramatic speed up, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, if something takes one minute, turn into five seconds, that's a dramatic, right? Yeah. And guess what? It's possible. So for example, uh, we have much better model like LCM, latent consistency model, for example. I can generate image in about four to five seconds right now. Very beautiful images. I can show you a demo right after, by the way. Mm. And then the reason it runs that fast is tapping onto the GPU as well. The GPU is a very good workload. And it can crunch those pictures very quickly. And then that's how we actually getting this a lot faster is utilizing the right resource for the right task. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, I work low, put it on the GPU, and then it would just crunch it through. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you got three engines and you know they're they're good for different things and software that you know would yeah. let it know where to go in. OpenVINO, does it work with the traditional uh, ML pipeline stuff like PyTorch, TensorFlow, or does it replace it? Yeah, so for usability perspective, if you're a developer today, yes, it will just take the model directly. We'll do the conversion for you. It will get into the OpenVINO runtime. So this is what we call the engine sometimes back in the old days. So the runtime will take uh, almost most of the famous framework. We also have TensorFlow. We have uh, Paddle Paddle, if I'm from China, actually, we also support some of the a little bit older one, Cafe, uh, and et cetera. So yes, it will work directly with those models. And then I think to you as a developer, one of the famous one is called Automatic 111. Mm-hmm. I think everyone may heard about Stable Diffusion. Then. Yeah. We even go all the way down to what the community was doing and then modify our runtime to support it. So we, we even make it almost backward compatible, right? Mm. So there's a compile flag to just make it like a backend for PyTorch to use OpenVINO. So in short, I'm a developer. I'm not going to like easy sell. It's like, you have to read the documentation, everyone. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit there. You have to read, you have to do the homework. You read the homework and you do the example code we do. You see all the example, 100 example, you figure it out. And we're trying to make it better. If there's any feedback, let us know. <laughs> so... I wanted to, yeah, ask a little bit about, you know, what's new in the GPU and then and then talk a little bit about, right, what is an NPU and how is that a, a sort of evolution of a VPU? Yeah. I just want to say it's it's really interesting for me. This is just like a side note, but as it turns out, I was, as a reporter, focused on the drones, the world of drones. And I uh, wrote about VPUs back in March of 2016. Yeah. yeah. DJI, you know, was working with Movidius, which I believe was right. eventually acquired by Intel. And at that point in time, right, they were saying, this is a VPU, it's for doing vision processing on Mm. uh, the edge so that the drone can avoid obstacles. And at that time, right, 
the VP was like, that was a new thing they were trying to coin, right? It didn't exist in the world mm-hmm. until then. Yep. Now we're talking about how you've taken the VPU and evolved that to an NPU. So kind of a cool through line, but please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So the story where they did the same thing almost, right? Mofidius, right? So under the hood, uh, if you look at the actual material I'm working on, it's the f- same VPU kind of material, right? Mm-hmm. That's why when we release this kind of NPU today, we do have some support Im- immediately. So that was the same initiative that you talk about very closely coming back to here. Now, back then was a USB stick. I think everyone may heard about the, the compute stick, right? There's like a MPU compute stick. Mm-hmm. So we now directly integrate it into the silicon. And that's mm-hmm. some of the big changes that you may have seen. So to talk about that, um, I think that initiative and how this come together, there's some history that's not very well known because in between we already have some of the integration happen with the Atom processor. So on the edge, there's an actual hardware that we integrated this in the past to demonstrate this capability. But today is the first time we bring it to the consumer, right? The consumer is like, everyone's laptop have that MPU. Mm-hmm. I think the differentiator, how I see this for people as a developer is it gives you the legs up on the why the drone want the VPU but not put a GPU on it. Mm-hmm. I think there's an obvious answer to everyone. <laughs> you have power. Mm-hmm. It will just run out of battery before it left off. Right, so, right, right. So, there's an obvious reason. And then for the consumer level, it's the same reason, right? You want a laptop that runs 12 hours. The last thing you want is like, I make a phone call with my wife and then two minutes later, it ran out of battery. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, it's a very good AI feature, but it doesn't run more than two minutes. Mm-hmm. So like we have to balance the act of creating application that actually tailored toward the experience. And then some of the time, a lot of time, actually battery efficiency is a very important parameter, right? So that's why it kicks into this kind of different angle, right? I always think the MPU may have less of the, like a pure raw, like throughput, right? It will not be pumping as many things, but it's so good at crunching things. Think about those small motor heat pumps, right? Like tiny, mm-hmm. but they do a lot of work, right? Efficient, right? And then you can think about the GPU can be the furnace. It's like, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Really put the gas in and it will get the, Job done quick, right? And then the CPU will be just the, the, the robot that's clean my house. It'll do everything, you know? Mm, mm. So that's how I always see this kind of like approach for this one. And then in particular, what's updated for this GPU is the performance actually is a lot. The jump is huge. Forget about just AI for a second. I use it for gaming, for example. Mm. I actually can play games now, actually, like proper 1080p games. So what does that mean is there's raw performance in that that you can like, it's a, actually it's a it's simple map, right? Think about the GPU can do X amount of computation, right? They're mm-hmm. doing graphics, right? And that's how CUDA started when I was in the old days, was fragment programs. Yeah. By the way, I did a PhD on that back in the old days. You know, that's how I do CUDA program. You know, the CUDA core <laughs> moment. I was like, okay, well, whatever that means. But I was like programming down there. I was like, okay, okay. What it means is the number of threads you can do, you know. Mm-hmm. Same idea here, right? These uh, new Intel Arc processor they allow you to do more multi-threaded tasks, right? They have more core in it again. But I think they call it differently. They call it the execution unit. I think that's what Intel framed it. So, okay. But what it means to you is if you can do gaming faster by two to three X, what do I expect? If you are not bandwidth limited to some memory related, the more performance wise, they are higher again. Mm-hmm. So what I really like about this is if I think about, this is the worst laptop you can get today, right? By definition. And it's the best in the market. Mm-hmm. Worst in terms of like 
what we're shipping is the like already done, right? But we have more coming up in the future. In a couple of years, it's extremely unlike our ship. We will ship something slower than this, right? That's what I mean. The worst and the best, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. best in the market, but if you're a developer, you're developing for the future. Mm-hmm. We will not have have a slower machine than this. What that means is we create a baseline for the market right now to say, okay, I'm a developer. Here's what I can see, okay, and I can expect these will give me enough performance, maybe in one generation, even this application doesn't support it, then it will be like, great, I can do, for example, the stable diffusion talk about. It takes like five seconds now instead of 10, it's better experience. But I can still ship a 10 seconds one because it works, the software is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can still get the customer to try it because I don't think the person will complain too much about the 10 seconds, for example, because they get the work done on a battery that's like, uh, I don't know, small and also it's portable, right? So these kind of future that we're seeing is quite exciting. And that's the balancing act that I think people can start looking into. Yeah, right. It's a lot of lot of trade-offs. Yeah. 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 To your point, yeah, it is super interesting, you know, sort of this cross-pollination between gaming yeah. and image work. I remember now thinking back, the company, yeah, Movidius, they had spent a long time from like 2005 to when I wrote about them trying to find product market fit. And and their stuff was created to help convert old movies into 3D, to make yeah. more content for 3D TVs, right? <laughs> like they yeah. weren't thinking about AI or you know vision processing at all, but it was a happy accident. And now, right, it, it has the capability of doing a lot of those things. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think I, when I studied history, I find it fascinating how hardware and software work together. Because you can always have the best hardware, but no one use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just have to have the balancing of like what the needs are in the market at the right time. Right. So having this kind of like, we have a lot of skew of this, right? So this is the client version that I'm talking about, which is like consumer laptops, mm-hmm. desktop maybe. But we also have edge use case that the variants of this can be used for, right? So think about eventually is actually fueling the world with the silicon that can do tasks. Uh, and then form factor can be very different because I think that's one of the reasons why I joined Intel. My boss was telling me, have you tried to put something with like out there that millions of people already have? It's like, what do you mean? It's like x86 version? Okay, yeah, that's good. What about silicon? Yeah, the Intel silicon. So, yeah, I think I heard about that when I was young. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so having that ecosystem that can help like fueling this because like, you know, that the moment you finish building, there's a chance of it running at all. At least, you know, you know, I don't know if people trying to build cell phone app back in old days. Again, I use the phone because it's relevant to some of us. Mm-hmm. When I first built an iPhone app, for example, or Android app, right? It was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have the jailbreak almost, guys, like to get an app on, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember back in old days, you have to break the system to build a system, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the very, very much better outcome I see. If we all focus here, we can benefit a lot of people with not a lot of money, by the way. This machine is like, very cheap relative mm-hmm. to everything else I've seen, right? The silicone right. and the package together mm-hmm. with the capability. It's yeah. very good. So you're, you know, obviously the a dev evangelist for OpenVINO and right. you have the hardware uh, company makes the hardware. I imagine the software is being optimized for the hardware pretty heavily. Does it ever go the other way? Is the hardware ever optimized for the software? Very good question. I noticed that often is... Um, it's a very difficult problem. And then, uh, for example, yes, and then architecture, right? It requires years to change the architecture. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the best example is when we look at the gaming and all that, right? I think back in the old days, 
when the GPU were developed, right, there was no need to use this for general purpose computing. Like there was not, right? Back then, the only solo task for the GPU back then was to make graphics, right? That's what it's called, graphical processing unit. Mm-hmm. Then there's a momentum, all of a sudden, people hacked it, like me, I was one of them, right? To make it general purpose, right? Then all of a sudden, the hardware people are listening, like, oh my God, you guys are breaking what I designed it to do. You're not supposed to do that, you know that, right? You're not supposed to make the graphics to go out, not to the display, but go back to the memory. They work backward, basically, right? They, it's like the graphics memory should go this way, but as I know, I want to get the data back, right? Yeah. So we're hijacking the system at one point, and then we actually modifying it. I mean, it's just like right? massively parallel, like floating point operations, right? Yes, yeah. but it never existed before. The hardware didn't exist back then. Same here, right? The same story repeat, right? We will see certain bandwidth limitations. There's certain like criteria of let's say the compute is not efficient enough. Maybe we want to focus more on this, or maybe we want more threads or whatever. Like there's some design decision will get influenced based on the model that we're trying to optimize for. Mm-hmm. And then I see this coming, especially for large language model, is very bandwidth limited, right? So very likely I may see in the future. The processes design may be more optimized toward how memory usage will look like, for example. I'm just like looking at the system itself, right, as an engineer, right? And then I may also think about maybe in eight, in four, and all those low position support better. Uh, I don't know anyone know much about the compression for large language model. You never heard people mm-hmm. do influence point with that for inference, right? It just doesn't make sense. It's just right. too compute. Yeah. Right. So these are the decisions we can make. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ryan, you, you can probably speak to this with a uh, more educated view than I can, but we actually, yeah, have, have written about quantization and, and moving from floating point and, you know, yeah. how this stuff will be essential for getting this kind of powerful AI on device. Yeah. And as you pointed out, that has multiple, you know, important uses. Maybe, mm-hmm. right, you don't want to burn as much battery. Maybe you don't have access to great Wi-Fi. Maybe you want to keep things private. Like you said, like, you know, it's your device. Why should it have to go to the cloud? And maybe for the company, that's better because they don't have to take your you know, PII, which creates more overhead for them. Yeah. And actually, that's what the inference looked like to answer your question. We have PNNI that was uh, designed for convolutional network. Mm. Again, it looks like for all time, again, convolutional network. What are you talking about, guys? Like, right. But, right, that's the path we actually created, that silicon component that accelerate that part. Mm. And then we have XMX, AMX, all this uh, computational acceleration. And also based on the model, because... We do a lot of matrix multiplication, right? And then now we accelerate those. So these are longer threads that we see is happening. And then the shorter term, I think a lot of time comes to software first because it's a real story. Now people say I'm the expert. How do I start it? <laughs> I was making really crappy code and I was reading Intel optimization examples to make it better. So everyone <laughs> will start with the very non-optimal just to make it publish. I was like, well, doing PhD. I was like, make it five times faster. Like, I spend never ending nights to make it faster, to make it publish. But, you know, that work that we started as a researcher, often a very limited resource and limited time we had to make it out. So real example is if you look at stable diffusion, just let's say one year from today, the quality is so much better, right? Mm-hmm. right. It was like, is it real anymore? It's like, what's going on, right? It's a lot oh, better absolutely. quality. There's all right. these Reddit threads where it's like, and, and there was recently a New York Times quiz. Most people cannot tell the difference between a deep fake right. and a real photo mm-hmm. right now if you create them. That gave me even worries. Like, um, we should be more thinking about what we're building too, right? Right. And then at the other, on the side, all the better quality at the same time come with um, the burden of high compute and people find ways to reduce the compute. Mm-hmm. So this triangle of ways, like how usually development works, there's no escape to that. Everyone wants something faster, better, 
and right. easier to deploy. I mean, right? yeah, we see what's coming on the horizon. It's going to be, you know, text to video, and then it's going to be, you know, as close as possible, real-time text to video. And then, yeah. you know, Ryan and I have discussed, it's going to be, you know, apps and services where the UI is adaptive to you. And then it's going to be games yeah. where it's like, what is your story today? And the game will be generated on the fly, you know, mm-hmm. doing really crazy stuff. Oh, that would be so cool if the mixed reality to think about you can have a forest that's generating in front of you the living room. That was one of my proposals back in the days when I was doing my <laughs> company. I was like, right, yeah. I just want my yeah. own forest so I can be more calm in my own white room right now. My room is like plain just white. hallucinate on demand. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever you need to feel good to get in the flow state. Exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you learned something today. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more about what Intel is doing, we're going to let Raymond give his part of the outro and we'll definitely put a lot of links in the show notes. But before we get to that, as always, I want to thank someone who came on Stack Overflow and helped to spread a little knowledge. Awarded two days ago to Andre Korniev, how to delete specific nodes from an X element. Andre supplied the answer and was given a lifeboat badge for helping folks out. Over 30,000 people have viewed this question, so we appreciate it, Andre. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on X at Ben Popper or hit us up with an email podcast at Stack Overflow. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. And if you want to reach out to me on X, my handle is Arthur Donovan. Yeah, my name is Raymond Lowe. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. And just search for Raymond Lowe Intel. And most likely you'll see my link popped up. And more importantly is try all the demo I talked about today. I'm a developer. I think I want you to try what we started and make it a thing that you can make your life better. With the 100 demo, you can go to OpenFino Notebooks. Look for that keyword and you have all the Gen AI, chatbot, all the fun stuff you can run on your laptop. Enjoy. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon.